Welcome to Mind Training and Homotherapy, a podcast that explores ideas to help you live a life that is more purposeful, intentional, and fulfilled. I am your host, Dr. Henry Gregory, and I thank you for tuning in. Greetings. Welcome to Mind Training and Homotherapy, where we discuss life issues and how to get the most out of life. I'm your host, Dr. Henry Gregory, and today I'd like to talk about toxicity. Um, as we talked about a little bit in our introduction, um, homotherapy is about uh, healing the atmosphere. When the atmosphere is healthy, it helps the rest of us to be healthy. One of the most toxic energies we have on the planet is anger. It's anger. You've heard of anger, haven't you? Uh, Most of us have had experiences with anger. And they haven't always been pleasant experiences because anger can take us into a lot of different places. It can distort our thinking. It can play on our uh, immune systems, our clarity of thought, our ability to, to manage our emotions and to uh, be um, healthy in relationships. Anger can be a very distracting emotion. It can take over our lives. And it doesn't matter how righteous the anger is. It doesn't matter how righteous the anger is. Anger is toxic if you allow a situation or a person to make you angry enough, long enough, you will self-destruct. You will self-destruct. Anger creates stress, it creates tension, and it distorts our mind's ability to act as a, a, a vehicle of caretaking, of reasoning, of... of, of uh, healthy problem solving. Now, anger can be focused two ways. Certainly, it can be focused externally, and that can be kind of a problem because, uh, you know, we can't control everything externally. But it certainly can, there's enough things in our society that can provoke us to anger, if we allow it, that can really keep us upset and on edge. And then there's internally focused anger, uh, otherwise known as depression. Uh, And they can go together now because, you know, if you look at a lot of today's issues that are becoming unearthed uh, in in current events, if you look at issues of discrimination, uh, oppression, of, of inequity, one way that they manifest in the populations that they're targeted toward is in negative self-images. So, and those negative self-images are usually based in anger. They're very often unconscious, but they're there. But they're there. So we start to think bad about ourselves or people who look like us or our, our mates or our children. We start to expect less, we start to have um, uh, fear, anger, and are triggered easily by interaction with 
sometimes the people that are closest to us and have less and less confidence in our ability to be competent, um, to be capable, and to manifest uh, a proper destiny. So, so anger can be focused inward, outward, but it can cost us. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I, I call anger a, a, a cheap emotion in that um, anger is generally the tip of the iceberg. If you look at an iceberg in the water, you see this big, massive piece of ice that's disruptive. What you don't see is most of the iceberg is below the level with that you can actually see. And that's how anger functions. Anger is the tip of the iceberg. But if you go deeper under the anger, there's always other feelings, more subtle feelings. Anger. Under anger lives feelings like hurt, pain, disappointment. And if you even go deeper, there is fear. Matter of fact, I would pose to you that fear is the foundation of anger. Matter of fact, a good experiment you might try sometime is when next time you find yourself getting angry, just ask yourself, what am I afraid of? What am I afraid of? Is it somebody else controlling me, misunderstanding? Is my not handling the situation? What is it that I'm afraid of? And that can be a vehicle for getting past the anger if I can identify and own what that fear is and then begin to look at that honestly. Because to, to, to manage anger, it starts with awareness awareness. If I can be aware of what I'm angry about, if I can be aware of how it's affecting me and not just, you know, blame it on somebody else and say, they're doing that. And they they may be doing something. I'm not saying they're not, but I always have a choice about how I respond. Not what happens to me, but how I respond. I think about um, Nelson Mandela in that, in that, in that vein. Uh, Nelson Mandela did 27 years in jail. And, and working in the field for a while, I've seen people go to jail and come out a whole lot uh, worse than they went in. But I've also seen people come back from jail, uh, and it's been as if they've almost been to a monastery where they've really gone inside and and grown. And what Mandela demonstrated to us, that you don't have to let the anger consume you. His response was to become more compassionate, more loving, more um, in tune with himself as a result of that process. Mm -hmm. So... So anger is an emotion, and emotions are messengers. They bring us messages that we are healthier when we absorb the message and then make alterations that are appropriate. 
when we accept the feelings and go deeper, deeper. As I said, if we just stay in the anger, we are on the surface and we are being triggered and we're reacting. We're living in what's called in the brain the amygdala that's just reacting to things that easily uh, keeps us in fight, flight, or freeze where we're in survival mode as opposed to, as opposed to living in our higher self, which the brain manifests as our prefrontal cortex where reasoning takes place, where compassion lives, where empathy lives. Empathy lives. So, what is the antidote for anger? What is the, ang- the, the antidote for this uh, in- intense uh, emotion based in fear that we all experience at one time or another that can be so consuming, so disruptive um, in our lives? Well, I, I pose to you that the uh, antidote is, is fairly simple. Not easy, simple. The antidote is forgiveness. Forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Now, when I say forgive them, I mean forgive the person. I mean forgive that person and don't take what they're doing to you as personal. Because people don't do things because of other people. They do things because of themselves. Now, when I'm saying forgive the person, I don't mean forget about the behavior. You want to be clear about the behavior and do what you need to do to limit the behavior and its effect on you. I mean, for instance, if you have a friend or a cousin or a mate or whoever who borrows money from you and doesn't pay you back continually, you might want to forgive that person because you say that person is caught up in this bad habit of being irresponsible, of uh, perhaps being exploitive, perhaps being um, taken advantage of people. And if you look at that person's history, their programming closely enough, you can see how they got there. None of that means you lend them any more money. You can forgive the person without accepting the behavior. So forgive, but not forget. One advantage of that forgiveness is when we learned to forgive other people, other people become the stand-in for ourselves. Because the real person I want to forgive is me. For all the things that I have done that have not met my highest standard. For all the things that I have done that I don't feel good about. So when I'm forgiving other people, I'm just practicing forgiving myself so I can be in touch with my highest self, support the best part of me, and not have this negative downpour on my spirit. So forgive me because I've done things that haven't 
haven't manifest the highest uh, parts of my of my being also. <clears throat> so at some level, some level, letting go of anger starts with being aware of anger as an emotion, how it ticks you off, how it triggers you, how it affects your behavior, and then taking responsibility for that. It's not about the other person. The other person may be back crazy, but you still have options about how you receive it. If you are just re reacting to them, you are giving them power and control over you. But when you say, I am responsible for whether I experience anger, fear, or can get to forgiveness, I am responsible for that. That says, I am in charge of me. I am in charge of me. And what helps that if I can tell myself the kinds of things that support uh, my competence, my responsibility, my manifesting my highest self. So I'm talking about self-talk. I'm talking about looking in the mirror and saying what it is that I want to manifest. Say, I am I'm competent, I'm compassionate, I'm empathetic, I'm dependable. I want to own those characteristics, those attributes. Most of us, if, if right now, if, if you wrote a list of your, of your assets and deficits, most of us would be much better at, at doing a list of our deficits. But what I'm encouraging through our self-talk is to make that list of our assets and our aspirations longer and to focus on that. And the more often we tell ourselves this, the more we begin to program our minds so that our minds begin to reflect our highest self, our aspirations, our intentions, as opposed to accepting the programming that's come from the, the institutions and people that we've related to throughout our lives, who may or may not think well of us, not because of us, but because of themselves. So if I am taking responsibility for it, I need to I need to uh, uh, engage myself with things that feed my highest opinions of myself and my possibilities. There's a, uh, there's a book that was written, written around the, t the turn of the 20th century um, by a guy named James Allen. Classic, a little small book. It's called As a Man Thinketh. The title comes from Proverbs in the Bible. As a man thinketh, so shall he be. In his, as a man thinketh, so shall he be, be in his heart, I believe. Um, and basically that says, whatever we think, we attract. Whatever we think, we reinforce. Even when I think I don't want to be like that. <laughs> uh, I, I see clients all the time and say, oh, I don't want to be like my father, or I don't want to be like my mother, or be like that one. The more you think about not being like that person, then you wake up one day, hey, I'm more like them than I think because that's what's being reinforced. 
the other way to approach that is to decide what I want to be like, what attributes maybe from my mother and father or a, a deity or, or just a, a, a virtual characteristic and to study that, to reinforce that, make that part of some regular affirmations, um, some mantras that you use to reinforce your aspirations about how you're going to be. As a man thinketh, whatever we put in our minds, it's going to come out one way or another. And when we're more intentional, when we're more judicious, when we take responsibility, we get better results. It's like if you just turn on the television and just watch whatever there, uh, excuse my language, you're going to probably put a lot of garbage inside of you. But if you look through the TV guide and choose some things that you want to watch at certain times, then you're going to be purposefully uh, adding to your experience. And then you can always shift that. But if you're just open to whatever comes along, as we used to say, if you're just wide open, uh, th that's a setup. That's a setup. And, and we're moving in a time where it's requiring all of us to be more purposeful and intentional. I, I really think that's what part of this shutdown is about, this COVID shutdown that we've been experiencing worldwide. It's giving people a time to go inside, to do some reflecting, to be still and decide, okay, how do I want to approach life? The usual distractions that I have are not as available whether that means a 40 hours a week of a job and another uh, 10 hours of, of doing work at home about the job, whether that means uh, running to the pub or, uh, or, 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 or chasing sporting events, whatever. All of a sudden, I have to be still. And whenever I'm still, questions start to come up from the deeper part of me. Who am I? Who am I? What's my purpose? What's my purpose? Why did the forces that be make me this way? I'm good at certain things. I'm not so good at certain things. Why did they make me this way? What is my purpose? And the third question that goes in, what's real? What's real? I, you know, like I said, all you have to do is engage with the media and you'll see uh, commercial after commercial of um, people's ideas about what's real, trying to sell you um, their ideas, trying to sell you their products, trying to tell you what's real. But when you get still, television's off 3 o'clock in the morning when it's just you, from deep inside of you, the question becomes, what's real? What do I really believe in? What really takes care of me? I know what my mama said about it. I know what this one said about it. I know what that one said. But where am I with those questions? And I pose to you that all of us have to attend to those questions one way or another. Either we attend to them or they will attend to us. Because things that don't get attended to in life end up coming back to us as crisis. Because life will not be denied. 
as much as we try to think that we're in charge and and uh, we're above, we're just part of nature, you know. And we may be able to act out our fantasies for a moment, but life will call us back. And I'm talking about as individuals, as cultures, as societies, as as species, as a planet, you know. We can escape consequences, but for a moment. We actually don't escape for a moment. But they, over time, the consequences become more and more pronounced until there is a crisis. There is a crisis. So wherever this COVID crisis came from, wherever it came from, it's a product of the lifestyles and the mentalities we have been dealing with collectively on this planet for a while. Like that. Because it's not only as a person thinketh, you know, it's as we collectively think, we create our collective destiny by how we collectively think about things. And I'll tell you just my personal opinion. So much of the media in our society is purposed to distract people and dumb us down so that we can be more easily uh, shaped to support the goals of those that run the media. Hmm. So again, my encouragement is for us to be very selective about what we read, what we watch, what we attend, Hmm. and to make sure that what's included in that is more than just stimulation and distractions. More than stimulation, that I'm doing some studying. I'm doing some reaching out. If you're thinking the same way now that you thought 10 years ago, you're probably, it's probably time to update. Every phase of life requires that we accommodate new perspectives. And if your perspective has not been changed because, you know, you've been so distracted by your um, whatever game, games you watch or you play or whatever distractions you engage in, then it may be time to uh, purposefully decide what are you going to add to your life that helps you to go deeper in your own mind, deeper in your own experience, and to become more aware and more capable of handling this ever-changing environment. Because the rumor is, a lot of this society is over with. It just hasn't been announced. That's the rumor, that we're in transition. That we're in transition. So, so, so am I prepared to be an active, healthy, fulfilled participant in whatever comes next? Or am I setting myself up to be obsolete, to be uh, a victim, you know, to be unable to handle uh, these changes in lifestyle? Hmm? Because they are going to happen. Change is a permanent part of life in this dimension.
it is a, it's, it, it's a constant. And health, intelligence, is about our ability to adapt to an ever-changing environment. It's not about how well you do in the SATs and, and what the grades you got in school. Intelligence is about one's ability to adapt to an ever-changing environment. To read the signs, to become aware, and to make appropriate adjustments and adaptations as required. So that means I have to be willing and able to change. And like anything else, anything that we practice, we become better at. So if I practice on small things, adapting, changing, accommodating, um, that's going to make larger changes more doable also. So, anger. We want to um, let go of anger, go deeper in our experience, understand the hurt or the fears that anger may be masking, and then look at them in an intelligent way, sometimes with some help. We, we all get by with a little help from our friends. So, so that we can begin to heal some of those hurts, so we can begin to develop the courage to approach those fears and to feed the parts of us that have strengths, capabilities, the parts of us that um, help us to communicate with ourselves and other people in ways that are healthy so we can collaborate and grow and grow. Because whether we like it or not, we are all connected. We are all connected. So, thank you for your time. I'm hopeful that you, had a, you have a few things to think about. And I look forward to speaking to you again. Take care.